biggest thing that I think I tell people now is actually just stick to your convictions, trust your gut and believe in yourself. Because honestly, when Uvisa really, like first, first started, loads of people came to me and were like, Ella, this is a great idea. You should take this forward. And I was like, nah, I don't think, I don't know if it's going to work. And, and it wasn't because I didn't believe in the idea. It was because I didn't believe in myself and I didn't have the confidence to say to somebody, yeah, join me. I'm going to take you on this journey, you know? And, and that came over, that has come over time. And it's taken a lot of people saying to me, this is, this is a good idea. Like this is a need and, you know, credible people, gynecologists, doctors, you know, experienced entrepreneurs. I needed that for that, that kind of self-belief. So this is kind of the, the beginning vibe of the podcast, and then we go like this. Hi, and welcome to The Technopreneur, the podcast where we openly talk with founders about their startups, their journeys as entrepreneurs, and the challenges and opportunities they have. I'm Paco, hosting here today with Luca, and our guest is Elas Marchewska-Harris, founder of UVisa, an ambitious femtech startup offering non-pharmaceutical solutions to women's most intimate health issues. And then we go. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, great. No, I don't know if it was recording already or yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so pro, guys. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. Well, we're testing our new setup. So here we go. Okay. Very, very, very interesting. Well, first of all, thanks for, for thanks for being here. And um, I'm here with Luca. Maybe you want to say a few things. I have no clue what you want to hear from me right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's the first podcast in the new year. Um, it's all with our new setup. Um, and maybe I saw from you that you wrote on LinkedIn that you had quite a good job, seniorish position, you earned quite a lot of money, it reads like this, and then you went back to school while also being a mom. Why did you took this decision? <laughs> Because I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> In which way? Um, so, yeah, so I'm also British. And that actually is a factor. So, as we all know, Brexit was happening. Yeah. So that, that's an undercurrent in the background of my story, okay. is that Brexit was happening. So, ever since graduating with my bachelor's degree, I thought I would love to do a master's degree. But I never knew what I wanted to do. I kind of... Spent 10 years thinking, oh, I'd like to do a master's sometime. I kind of felt like I had to prove it to myself that I could do a master's and, you know, further my education. Uh -huh. You know, my little sister went to Oxford and Cambridge. And How long, you know. how, how long have you been postponing, actually, that, that decision? <laughs> well, I graduated from my bachelor's in 2009. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. A while. A long time. <laughs> a little and, bit. But then also life happened and I, I fell into a career and then I was doing okay and, you know, I was... Jumping from, it sounds like I was like hopping from job to job all the time. I wasn't. Um, I was jumping, you know, my career was developing. I had gone, I'd always worked in software and I'd gone through several companies in this, in that space of like 10 years where I'd learned loads and I'd, I'd done a bunch of stuff and I'd moved from uh, customer facing business development, kind of sales account management stuff into product management about three years ago. Okay, cool. And... I had done that for three years and I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next challenge. Let's, let's see what's going to happen. 
And so I was going for product management jobs in software companies. Yeah. And they kept saying to me, we really like you, Ella, but have you, have you ever launched your own product? Have you ever taken an idea from idea to come, like, you know, to something? And I was like, no. So I'd already in my spare time and my private life started trying to develop an app or at least that, okay. at least started the the feasibility of this so, app idea that I had. It's quite cool because you, so basically you've been told in a few job interviews like, okay, but you don't have experience yourself building your own product. Exactly. So why are you fit for this kind of position? Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting. And, and so I had that and then I had Brexit happening in the background. I had a baby and went on maternity <laughs> leave. Just a small thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but in that process, like having a kid and going on maternity leave, all of a sudden you're not in your day-to-day nine to five or nine to eight as, as my job often was. Um, and you suddenly have this time to think like, well, actually work isn't that important. I'm off work now and I'm, you know, I'm just with a baby and, and I'm not at work and I don't care about my job anymore. Yeah. You know, in, in the, in the months leading up to going on maternity leave, you know, I was really stressed about getting everything in place and making sure I'd handed over properly and making sure everyone was up to speed and, oh my God, how are they going to survive without me? It's a stressful and, job as well. And then, exactly. And then, you know, as soon as the baby came along, I was like, oh, what job? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I also had that time to reflect and then, and I thought, well, now, now's the time to go back to school and get some qualification to help me get that next product management job. So I'll go back from maternity. Interesting. I will then get my next better product management job. Um, but let's build a product in that time. And I thought I'd do it by myself. I thought I wouldn't need a master's degree to help me do that. Um, and I actually applied to CBS. Okay, I also did this. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you cannot me. say this. We can, we can, because what happens next is we kind of slate CBS a little bit. Uh, <laughs> or we at least tell them some truths yeah. about the world, which is somebody doesn't need a business degree to know a bit about business. Yeah, tell so, them. Yeah, CBS, I hope you're listening. Um, Could you so, give a bit of context? Who's CBS? Who's DTU? Just, just for the... So Copenhagen Business School is CBS and uh, DTU is the Danish Technical University, which is where I am a, now a student and where I've started UBS Health. Amazing. And uh, so I applied to CBS and... They told, uh, I mean, there's a whole long story actually about that, but I'll come back to that if and when you were going to ask me. <laughs> but I applied to CBS and uh, they said, you've not studied business in your bachelor's, therefore we will not look at your application. And I said, look at my CV. And they were like, we don't want to look at your CV. I'm um, yeah, yep. so, so CBS, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> CBS yeah, yeah. did not accept me and that's fine. And... On reflection, that's great because I then applied to this program at TTU, which is the MSc in Technology Entrepreneurship. And it's way more exciting. It is, you know, learn how to be an entrepreneur whilst being an entrepreneur yeah. and get a degree in entrepreneurship yeah. whilst being an entrepreneur. And I came into this program and I was like, I'm not really here to start my own business. I'm here to learn about launching a product and getting an idea off the ground. And yeah. <laughs> and then your visa came and along. And then your visa came along. Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, I think it's awesome. And it represents very much the story of the people in this, in this course, like coming from different backgrounds, not having per se pursued like the business bachelor's degrees and, and previous history, but then having a vision for a product and meeting like-minded people that actually want to create. And this is the kind of audience that, by the way, we want to attract with this podcast. 
hearing inspiring stories around this, um, yeah, the possibilities and the challenges that you have faced in this process, which, yeah, which kind of leads to the question like, okay, so how did you get to start working on Uvisa? Like, how did, what happened there? Yes. Maybe, sorry, before we dive into this, what is Uvisa? Ah, very good point. <laughs> very, actually, yes, very good. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks. Uvisa, as uh, Paco said at the start, is an ambitious femtech. Um, so we're a femtech company. We're a medical device company. We are creating a medical device that will treat vaginal infections, so bacterial and fungal infections, without the use of pharmaceutical or drug products. So that's essentially what we are in a nutshell. That's pretty cool. I think as well, yeah, do you get sometimes like the impression that um, expressing this vision is, uh, yeah, might create some, you know, challenges for people to talk about it? Do you think this is kind of a taboo for, for people to talk about? 100%. And that's also what drives me because I am a really passionate feminist and I believe that everybody in this world should know how a vagina works <laughs> and should be comfortable Which with the word vagina. Oh, yes. So, um, yeah, male or female, it shouldn't matter, right? Yeah. We should all be comfortable with talking about our anatomies and our bodies because we all have a body and we all have some sexual organ, right? Yeah. So let's just talk about it. But yeah, there's a massive taboo around it and it's it's what drives me because we we have to be able to talk about these things. What, what was the initial spark to, to start this? So when did you get, you said now I'm a feminist. When did this start for you? Did you woke up one morning and, oh yes, now. When, didn't, when did it start for me? I think I really became aware of my, my feminism um, <clears throat> in my early 20s, probably actually. Um, you know, you grow up being a woman. <laughs> oh, I grew up being a woman. Um, I grew up being a girl and then a woman. And and you live that life. And, and it didn't dawn on me until I actually had finished my degree and gone out into the, the big wide world and started meeting new people and interesting people and having those yeah. discussions about what it meant to be a woman. And actually, oh, did you have that experience as a teenager? Oh, yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, I did too. And, you know, and then there was the Me Too movement and there was all that stuff. And and I have a really, really good friend as well who is a, a staunch feminist. And and I think she highlighted a lot of issues for me. And then I read around the topic and, um, yeah, just it just grew. I think it's also, like you mentioned here, the kind of question like, what does it mean to be a woman? Like, And I think it's interesting. What does it mean to be a woman to you? Wow, that's a big <laughs> wow, Are you wow, dropped wow. It? Did, we, did we get there already? Um, <laughs> what does it mean to be a woman? Um, I think what it means to be a woman is that you have lived in this world. And what I have realized even more so in the last couple of years is that it's a cliche, but this genuinely is a man's world. This whole world has been constructed by men. Everything we do from yes. even you probably know this, but like seatbelts in cars yep. are positioned for men. And, you oh, wow. know, no, I didn't know that. There you go. Right. No, so, crazy. and, and every medication that has, was approved up until yep. a certain point quite recently in history, mostly was tested on men because they didn't want to test on women because they might be pregnant. 
and <laughs> or you know whatever I'm, I'm probably getting my facts horribly wrong here but the point is is that we live in a world that has been constructed designed and controlled by men and i think being a woman is knowing that yeah and having grown up with that and lived with that and yeah um all of a sudden knowing that yeah what does it mean then to live in this man's world and how do we change it i think it's super interesting how how that as a base story kind of as well supported you to work into this direction into these fields and uh as well in an, into a majorly entrepreneurial world that is made driven coming up with this idea is, is very cool it's very awesome so I think, yeah, this, this could maybe bring in some insights into, into more what kind of product you're building. Like, what is it that you're building? We're building a small insertable device that will use light to kill pathogens in the vagina. Okay, that's awesome. How, how did you come to know about this technology or where was the spark? <laughs> and you were like, uh-huh, that's, that's, that's interesting. So... In my first semester on my master's program, I had to take a course called Technology Entrepreneurship, during which a bunch of researchers came in and presented some research that they'd been working on. One of those researchers presented that they had been looking at the impact of UV light on bacteria in a biofilm state. So that's when bacteria builds up and it's like a big, horrible mess. And... Um, and he presented this research and our whole point of this course was to find a, a business application and to find, you know, do your market validation and your product market fit and your, you know, business model canvas and all yeah. those things that they teach yeah. you at business or entrepreneurship school. <laughs> and, um, and to, at the end of the semester, you pitched it as a, as a business. And the researcher said, we think that this research has a great dental application. We can, you know, we can treat dental infections because what we can do is bring the natural healing properties of sunlight to parts of the body that don't ordinarily see the sun. <laughs> so <laughs> my brain, of course, being a feminist and also having just had a kid where all of a sudden, you know, you're very focused on, Oh, you know, what happens with your body and yeah. your vagina and um, all of that stuff. So I'd cut, that's where I was. And so I was like, parts of the body that don't see the sun. Hmm. Let me think about that. <laughs> where um, are they? Exactly. <laughs> so sat in this auditorium of, of 200 plus people with this poor professor who is an advisor to us now and who I have a lot of respect for. But this poor professor, I raised my hand and I said, so this could have a gynecological application. And he looked at me and he just, he just looked confused and was like, um, and you could see it and you could see the moment that the penny dropped and his face went from confused to a little <laughs> bit horrified and shocked. And, and he then became a little bit flustered and, you know, kind of hurriedly said, yeah, 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 yes, yes, maybe, yes, maybe it could. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, and everybody laughed and everybody in the room laughed. And so that's the start of Uvisa was that it was a laughing point, but it, it kind of shows what we're about. Like uh, it got people's attention. And it made people think about things that they don't ordinarily think about. And it proves again the, the taboo you mentioned. Exactly. Like, uh, you say vagina, everyone is laughing. No, wait a second. There's a technology that you're talking about that could actually be applied positively. Exactly. How, how yeah. was it for you? Because I also have a software background. And it seems like here in our environment, everybody wants to do something physical, something you can grab. 
and I struggle with this a lot. I prefer software still, but I'm now also doing completely other stuff. How was it for you, this transition from a virtual product to something physical, something you have to produce? I never made the software. Okay. So, right, it wasn't me that was the engineer. Yeah. I've always been the businessy person. So whilst it is a whole new world, I don't have to get my head around how you make a product. Well, I need to know it, right? But I think that's one of the biggest learnings, though, is that you don't need to do everything. And if you have skills in software, I don't know if you are a software engineer. Kind of. Okay. He's a great halfway, one. halfway. Okay. <laughs> Next level. Uh. Okay. But most companies nowadays will have a software element. So you don't need to worry about that. Even in a hardware company of some kind, you will find that you will need software at some point. Yeah. So um, there's that element. But for me, actually learning that you're a team of people and that I don't have to do everything and being in this environment as well at, at DTU <laughs> and at Skylab, which I know that you'll you'll talk about a little bit later or in a future podcast maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, but being in this entrepreneurship hub, this innovation hub, And being surrounded by really talented people, it brings people together of, as you said earlier, different backgrounds, um, specifically for that reason. And how and do so, you got then your team? How did you convince them to work with you? Um, or how many people are you? Maybe We're first? three now. Well, three? We're three and a half. <laughs> we're three and a half. We're three co-founders. How is the half one? Is it vertically or horizontal? Like, how does... it, it varies from day to day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just take... <laughs> chunks off <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so on this master's program there are some people that are doing the same masters as me who wanted to find a, a business or a startup that they could work in and we had to take a, an elective course called dtu x tech which is run like an incubator program and on dtu x tech they bring together students from lots of different disciplines and they put them into teams and they give them a project so ultimately, I took Uvisa to the head of XTech and said, I'd like to nominate Uvisa as a potential project for XTech. Uh -huh. And then I got given some team members. Okay. So I, I gained one, the half. Sorry, Rania. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the person, she's part-time. She, she's not a co-founder yeah. yet. She's part-time. Um, she came from XTech. But my other two co-founders actually... Um, one of them is on the same master's program as me and he decided to join at a certain point where he felt like he could add more value to Uvisa than the other projects he'd been working on. And the other person we recruited through sort of networking and just building our advisory base. And so we'd met an advisor from the Saturn Serum Institute who is like a world leading expert in the vaginal microbiome. And he recommended because we wanted a scientist and microbiologist in the team, he recommended that we approach one of his contacts at KU. And through that, we met our third co-founder. So she's a microbiologist from KU. This is really awesome. I think as well, one of the characteristics, especially investors are looking into founders, is this capacity of bringing people along in your vision. And especially with a topic that, that can, in fact, um, yeah, be perceived differently in different contexts. You manage that awesomely. It's really cool. And yeah. I have a question because we currently have this situation. How do you work together with your advisors? Um, a lot of the teams in our uh, in our master are now at the stage to get the first advisors on board. So 
we now have one advisor. Uh, I really appreciate him. And we have a weekly call. But we then also had the thoughts, do we need kind of a contract with uh, him? How many advisors do you have? Is there something you can recommend, some experience you can share? Yeah. Um, I think that the term advisory board can be a bit scary because you think, well, how formal is this? And, you yeah. know, we don't really have anything to give these people yet. We're just taking a lot from them and we're not really giving anything back. And <clears throat> what I really have learned is that There are so many people that want to help you yeah. and and they will do it out of the goodness of their heart just because it's interesting and it's something different for them to do with their time. And and it's kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit, actually, <laughs> because there's really good people out there that really want to help you. It's and, crazy. And so I, I too really stressed about that and still actually I'm stressing about that because we're now at the stage of we have a formal advisory board that we meet with once a month and we and they're people that we name on our slides in our pitch deck and things like that. Sorry, when you say formal is because you signed something, you agreed or We agreed. We agreed to it and I mean we have NDAs in place with our advisory board. Okay, cool. So if you have anything that you need to protect, that is the level of signing that I would go okay. to. Um There's nothing else. There's no contract. It's just a verbal contract. And it's something that we check in on almost every meeting. Like, are you guys still happy? Are you still happy to advise us? Do you want to be at the next meeting kind of thing? And and so do that. And just be open with people. And and people also can be advisors without being on your advisory board. We have tons of people that I consider advisors that I will reach out to every now and again. I had a call this morning with um, a gynecologist who is one of our key advisors, actually, she doesn't sit on our board. She doesn't meet us every month because that's a big drain on her time. But when I need to ask a question, I know that I can email or call her and she'll take the time to chat to me. So we have loads and loads of people like that, that we just have, you know, that are interested, that just want to help if they can. That's really awesome. And the ones you kind of show in your, in your deck, if you're presenting to an investor, those are the ones that are more officially agreeing to kind of a deal or. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the XTech program gave us some structure around that. Yeah. So on XTech, you get given a, a chairman um, because it's supposed to simulate, you know, the real business world where you would have a formal board in a startup. Once you become a real company, you have a board of governance, essentially. Yeah. And, um, and so that gave us some structure around that. They told us, you meet this often. This is how you run that meeting. This is the role of the chairman. Which is super helpful because I didn't know that. I still don't really know that. Every meeting I'm like, is this okay? Is this what I'm supposed to be telling you? Um, even now I still I think am a bit clueless. I think we're all kind of there. He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course I know. And then I'm like, actually, wait, no, <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Do you do that? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, so we have, but we have those kind of formal, are you okay to meet with us every month? And are you okay to have your name on a slide it, or in a presentation or in a, mm -hmm. um, an application for funding or whatever, are you okay to be named? Yeah. Um, because as well for them, depending on where you get your advisors, they might need to get permission from the companies they work for to be associated or affiliated with other companies. So it's just good just to get a verbal agreement. That's really cool. You got a, You got quite some attention in the past months. Obviously, we, we've been doing our research on you. <laughs> we heard positive stories you around. You could call it stalking, as I <laughs> quoted some LinkedIn posts. 
<laughs> How is it to be a woman? <laughs> hmm. oh, okay, that's a, oh, that's a vagina. Oh. No, no, no. But anyways, like we saw that positive stalking. Positive very positive. Stalking. Very positive. We saw that you won. If I can, maybe maybe you wanted to say it yourself. No, maybe ahead. I'm spoiling part of the story, but you won XTech. And you arrived as finals at the Denmark National Startup Competition. There's multiple achievements on your CV. You could say right now, CVS is kind of oof. But <laughs> um, how is that? And why do you think you guys with Visa arrived to be in that position? I think it's a combination of factors. We have a really diverse team. And I know that this is something that gets talked about a lot. But we we have competencies from a lot of different backgrounds and we have personality traits that are all different as well so there's a combination of that there's a combination of just timing you know we are a femtech company and femtech's kind of trendy right now you know women's health is getting a lot of attention um there's all the female founders female investment conversations going on in the entrepreneurship world which is you know we need more female founders we're going to mm. put more money into them so there's that element Um, like I said, femtech as an industry is is emerging as a new industry sector. Um, and also being in the ecosystem at DTU, where we have a lot of support from really experienced entrepreneurs and innovators who are very well connected. So there's just a combination of factors as to as to why we are gaining some success, um, at least at the early stage. And also, you know, I like to think that we're kind of good at <laughs> You definitely are. I also, I, you know, we also, we really did our work and we have a really strong business case. Like we're not making this up. And whilst we have a lot to prove in terms of our technology and and whether it actually works, that's kind of beside the point actually, because the point is, is that we have a need that we need to address. And so I think regardless of what our end solution will be, we know that that need still needs to be met. So having that also is really helpful. What are the solutions right now in this area? Basically just drugs. Just um, drugs. You can, there's topical creams, which are antifungal medications, and there's prescription antibiotics. There are off-the-shelf kind of remedies, home remedies that you can use, which are um, probiotics. Mm -hmm. But they have, there's never been any clinical evidence that a probiotic will treat an infection. So yes, it might help maintain a healthy ecosystem, um, but typically if you have an infection, a probiotic will not treat it. Um, but there's no, there's no other solutions really. Okay, so, so your device, your product will be able to scan, if I understand correctly, the, no. The product, <laughs> I mean, the way I understand it, then you can correct me, in fact, I'm, I'm doing my best. That is that it would understand what's going on in the ecosystem and uh, and combat the infection? Kind of, kind of. It will just target, um, it, will, it will shine light onto the microbiome. And basically light is antimicrobial. So there are microbes that live there. Some are good, some are bad. Uh -huh. You want the good ones. And the good ones actually are the dominant species. So 
in the right conditions, the good ones will thrive anyway, and they'll keep everything nice and balanced. Occasionally, what will happen is that that balance kind of just gets out of whack and the pH changes. And that happens when your hormones change, which FYI, what does it mean to be a woman? That <laughs> happens all the time. Um, from the time you're 11 until the time you die. Um, so <laughs> hormones really, yeah, mess up that that whole ecosystem indirectly. Uh, sex can impact the ecosystem. Um, menopause, medications, shower gels, you know, baths, whatever, solutions, whatever. Um, anything can whack it, uh, get it out of whack. And, and so then you need something to, to get it back into a good balance. Uh -huh. So yeah. So our solution is non-discriminatory, actually. It will target all microbes. But what it should do is lower the concentration of the bad ones enough so that the good dominant ones can repopulate. Okay. Okay. So instead of just finding out how, how the ecosystem is, it will actually have a positive impact to it. It'll try to balance. Exactly. Exactly. It should just rebalance it bacteria. regardless. And so actually it shouldn't really cause any harm, even if it's a healthy ecosystem shouldn't where okay, do you cool. then see a product in the future is it something um someone needs to go to a doctor and the doctor says yes that's something i can recommend you you should use it or i can go into the pharmacy just buy it and then apply it on myself or how does it work that's a very good question <laughs> and it is one that keeps coming up in our <laughs> advisory boards <laughs> and with investors and people that are financing us because there are different avenues that we could take and we are not yet 100% sure on which one we're going to go with. But what we do know is that of the women that we've surveyed and we've surveyed now over 600 women. That's a lot. Amazing. Um, over 60% of them don't go to a doctor if they experience an issue. So only being available through a doctor doesn't seem like a good route for us. Um, you know, most women will self-diagnose and self-treat. And what that usually involves is that they just walk into a pharmacy and they pick up a tube of cream off the shelf and they don't talk to anybody about it because it's highly embarrassing and it's a bit taboo. So yeah. what we obviously want to do is provide a solution to them, to those women that don't want to go to their doctors. However, in the short term, what makes sense is that we work with clinicians so that we do get medical device approval, so that the women that are really experiencing acute the acute condition where they are getting repeat bouts of this condition again and again and again that have entered the medical system that are uh, you know the wits end and they're really looking for an alternative solution they're the ones that will treat first and then if we can prove the case with them then the women that kind of get it occasionally would be more tempted to are you then also it. thinking about uh, I Definitely not the correct term. Uh, in the supply chain, I would call it or the customer journey. So to take one step ahead, because that to know that you need a visa, it's like you just explained, it's a little bit like a gut feeling that something is going wrong. I should need it. I need something. Are you then also planning to like, yeah, raise awareness uh, how symptoms look like or how do you want to make people aware that you exist? Then 100%. In this space? Yeah. So that will be a large part of our marketing 
strategy is also being a knowledge provider, an educational provider, you know, starting that discussion, having community around that. Um, so yeah, that's, that will be a big yeah. part of our, our success criteria, I would think and hope. I, I definitely have a curiosity here. Are you thinking of, uh, uh, producing a product as well for the, for the males out there, for the guys? We haven't gone down that route yet, but it is a conversation that obviously we've had, um, because these issues do affect men as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, watch this space. We'll see. Interesting. Very cool. What, um, so just to kind of get an idea of which, which step of product development you guys are, what would you say are your milestones so far and what is the roadmap ahead? We did early proof of concept testing earlier this year where we got into a lab and we did some kind of quick and dirty tests. Um, and since then we've been developing user acceptance testing. So we've been working a lot on the design. We've been working on the patent. So we're filing our first patent, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that kind of was intertwined with the design because the design actually is a part of the, yeah, what we want to protect. And yeah. it actually um, plays into the efficacy of the product, how it how it's designed plays into the efficacy. Kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so that's our next big milestone is get the patent done because then I can also talk and about it and show it more. Um, Right now, we're working with a contract research organization who are doing some early safety testing of the of the technology. Um, they should have results by mid-Feb. Mm -hmm. And then our next milestone is getting into a life science accelerator program, which would help us then do the next phase. And with medical devices, pharmaceuticals, biotech, you kind of, you can never plan too far in advance, really. You can have a general idea of what your steps are, but it all depends on what that first data shows. And then that depends on then what the next, what the next study is or what the next research is. And then, you know, and then there's a whole process of regulation and regulatory bodies. And it kind of depends on their feedback as to what you need to do next and what data you need to collect and all of that stuff. So we definitely have an idea. We know the next six months of steps. Beyond that, we're in discussions as to, you know, then what's the next step? How much evidence do we need to, to get next? Um, so we, we, I love that because often, right, especially from investor, you get these like, okay, what about what in 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that must be, it's beautiful that, that you're managing to, to cope with that kind of pressure, so to say. Yeah. Um, well, we know what we know what we want to achieve, right? We know what our MVP product is and we know how we kind of want to sell it and who we want to sell it to. And we, what we just don't know is the, all the minute steps that get us to the MVP. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, okay. Awesome. I think, uh, this is a very inspiring story and it gets us all to think about products that as well challenge maybe topics that are not on the daily. So I think it's very amazing, very inspiring. Really, really wanna wanna thank you so much thank for you. taking the time, and uh, yeah, and we will talk to you further further down the road on your developments. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot for being here. Uh, maybe, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I didn't ask my last question. <laughs> uh, sorry, man. In fact, I didn't even get a time call. I just saw you guys looking at each other like, oh, okay, just stop that talking. <laughs> no, uh, well, I have one more question. You have one more question. I think we still have like five five minutes we could use. Go for it. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Ah, awesome. Okay, maybe I rushed it. Excuse me. Okay, I also rushed my last answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that we do have, we do, so that's our MVP, but we, we do have ambitions to become a diagnostic tool. Uh-huh. So whilst our MVP is a treatment device, we do want to be able to add sensors that will tell us a lot more about the microbiome so that we actually know what we're, tra- what we're tackling. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Amazing. Very cool. Um, I'm thinking if you have a message for, for people there, for entrepreneurs that want to start their company in this kind of space, this kind of area, what would you tell them or kind of what, how would you support yourself of a year and a half back when you started on this? And The biggest thing that I think I tell people now is actually just stick to your convictions, trust your gut and believe in yourself. Because honestly, when you visa really, like first, first started, Loads of people came to me and were like, Ella, this is a great idea. You should take this forward. And I was like, nah, I don't think, I don't know if it's going to work. And, and it wasn't because I didn't believe in the idea. It was because I didn't believe in myself and I didn't have the confidence to say to somebody, yeah, join me. I'm going to take you on this journey, you know? And, and that came over, that has come over time. And it's taken a lot of people saying to me, this is, this is a good idea. Like this is a need. And you know, credible people, gynecologists, doctors, you know, experienced entrepreneurs. I needed that yeah. for that, that kind of self-belief. But that is the biggest advice I'd say. And also, you don't need to know everything yourself because you can learn and you don't need any expertise in an area. Yes, of course, it helps if you want to start a business. It helps if you know a little bit about the subject. Of course, if you're an expert, it's probably going to help you even more. But if you're not, you can become an expert and you can become an expert really fast. And you can get people on board that are going to join the journey. And exactly. Give you that knowledge. You're not yeah. a lone wolf and you shouldn't be because you need yeah. people around you. I now sadly don't have a last question. Taco, <laughs> we spent too much time together. That was my question. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> so that alive. was a perfect last answer, I would say. Ben, this time. Thanks a lot for being here. Is this, the, is this the real ending? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're learning as well. <laughs>